Philippines. 260 euros for a pair of Crocs, man. Those shoes pretty much broke my foot. It's only going downhill from here. What up, guys? This is Josh. And this is Fobbs. And this is the Kickback Pod. And we are back once again. The Kickback Pod. Back at it. I'm here with my man, Fobbs. We're back. I was, as you guys might have seen from my IG stories, I was across the world over in the Far East. I was in Japan. So I'll tell you a little bit about uh, what it was like over there in this episode. We'll also, as usual, get into what we've been wearing, some of our latest pickups. And we have a pretty interesting topic for you guys. So both of us, we've been, you know, looking through social media. We've been scouting the streets and we have definitely seen a couple of trends when it comes to sneakers and that's something we want to discuss so both of us have picked out one particular trend that we can forecast for the upcoming months in the world of sneakers and we'll give you that as well and yeah but before we get into all of that i need to know the fans need to know everyone wants to know fobs my man how you doing bro i'm good i'm good happy to have you back excited to be doing this pod episode with someone and not solo because it's definitely lonely out there when you're doing it all alone um nah man but i'm enjoying berlin summer uh, the weather's been great the only downside to that has been the pollen allergies which have really been fucking me up this year like last year was bad but this year is also very very bad there's some days where i don't even know if I can go outside because like my nose is itchy, my throat is itchy, my eyes are watering and they're itchy. Um, I'm having trouble breathing. So yeah, if the pollen can please fuck off, that would be great. And then the rest of summer can commence. There's a lot of people listening right now who can definitely relate. My girlfriend too, she absolutely despises this time of the year. It This pollen thing is crazy, man, in Berlin. And also what the hell is up with the weather? Why is it it feels like sub-Saharan Africa right now in Berlin. It is so hot. Anyone who's lived in Germany knows there's no ACs here because Germany historically has never needed them. And Germany is also, I don't want to say very because they're not, but like relatively eco-conscious. And so ACs don't really play into that Germans that are very much, anti. So. Germans are very anti-AC. I was just having this conversation with a colleague uh, like literally half an hour ago about how uh, i've met some germans here who complain about the ac and they say that the ac is giving them neck pain oh can, yes yes can you explain that's a this, thing man like how those two things don't even relate <laughs> so so what i mean by that's a thing is not that that happens but that germans complain about that is a thing like they also believe that ac gives you a cold like if you have it, it comes from this belief that if there's a draft of wind, of air, that that can give you a cold, that that is what gives you a cold or gets you sick. And so they don't like to leave windows open when they sleep just in case that there's, there's a draft of air. They don't like to have ACs because that is basically a draft of air. And it's funny because growing up in Thailand, you obviously have ACs in every single room and you pretty much have them on all day, every day if you're in those rooms because it's 35 to 45 degrees outside. But all of my German relatives and friends who visited us would have the AC on from like maybe like 5 p.m. 
to 7 or 8 p.m. And then they would turn it off when the room was like semi-cold and leave it off until the next morning. And I guess it worked, right? I don't know. I, I don't know if they worked up a sweat or anything in their sleep, but it comes from a belief deep down in some sort of corner of German culture that ACs make you sick, which is a total myth. It's a total myth. And it's something that I'm always arguing with, um, with my wife and, and relatives about because I grew up in a country where, like I said, you have it on all the time. So yeah, it's a, it's a problem that us non 100% Germans face, uh, everywhere, you know, at your workplace when you like want to turn the AC on or open a window and then somebody will be like, Oh, I'm sitting right next to the window. I might get a cold because there's a draft. <laughs> it's all a bit ridiculous. Yeah, a- ACs and credit cards, the two uh, mortal enemies of uh, of Germans. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Let, let's let's get into what's going on in the sneaker world. There's been a lot of news we got to get into. First one, real quick. We had finally, after almost a half a year hiatus, we had a Yeezy day. We had a shitload of Yeezys drop on the confirmed app. Uh, I hit on a few. You also hit on a pair of foams. And, uh, well... Definitely the whole, you know, hype cycle with Yeezy is definitely past its peak. And a lot of people are just over the brand, over Kanye. But as a sneakerhead, as a neutral sneakerhead, I have to say it was pretty nice to see a bunch of Yeezys again available for sale. It was nice to finally open up the confirmed app and for the confirmed app to be useful again and to have, you know, actually hype sneakers show up on the app. So that was nice to see. Um, and it was also pretty cool how they uh, restocked some all-time classics like the Pirate Blacks, which I was able to hit, but in like a really small size. So I don't think I don't consider that really hitting on it. But uh, yeah, what did you feel about seeing Yeezy Day back? Honestly, I was quite indifferent because, as I've said on this episode a few times, like I'm pretty much done with Kanye and done with the products because I feel like they represent him. Um, although I can understand people that have some sort of emotional connection to them. Obviously, there's also emotional connections for me to certain products from the Yeezy line, such as the 350s, the Turtle Doves, and the OG 750s, both of which I got when they first released, um, but have since sold. Then, you know, the Wave Runner 700s, great shoe, probably one of the best Yeezys or just shoes in general ever. But yeah, I mean, I I kind of, it, it passed me by a little bit. I was on the confirmed app and I was like browsing through just trying to see what was available. And just out of like curiosity to see how high stock volumes are, because I never used to win on confirmed, right? Like I was never picked. So I was like, okay, like I think if I, uh, I sign up for one and I don't get one, then maybe it was relatively limited. I just wanted to see how much stock was actually behind all of these colorways. So I signed up for one raffle, which was the foam runner. And I actually surprisingly got it, um, which I was not expecting. So that leads me to believe that stock was higher than people thought. Um, also because I find it an interesting discussion because this is like the rest of the stock that they have, right? I don't believe that they're going to be releasing new shoes without Yeezy, no, right? No, I don't think they will. So does that mean that resale prices are going to spike for all Yeezys that have ever been released? What about these latest Yeezys, you know? No, I I, I don't think so because like you said, you know, people are just kind of over Kanye as a person. Like he doesn't doesn't demand 
that type of hype that he used to. Although, even with that being said, uh, it's not like the Yeezys were sitting on, on Yeezy Day. They all sold out, right? So there clearly still is demand for the shoe. But if you look at resale prices of most of these uh, sneakers that are released on that day, they're uh, most of them are going for barely above retail. So yeah, demand is not what not what it's not what it once was. So I think that has a lot to do with uh, the direction Kanye has taken. But I, yeah, I, exactly. I still think it was uh, it was pretty cool to see it. So uh, let's move on to the next uh, topic. So we got a new action bronson colorway on the 990 v6 they're calling this the lapis lazuli i have no idea what that means but in my opinion early early contender for sneaker of the year right here the, the lapis lazuli the first that colorway that dropped the, the, the first colorway that dropped you know it was it was a really it was a nice shoe but it was very polarizing personally i wouldn't want to wear it because it's just a bit the, the colors are just a bit too loud for me but this pair Love the color blocking, love the colorway, the navy, the purple, the black, the uh, yellow midsole. I think it just comes together very nice. And uh, at least for me, I would rank that number one right now for sneaker of the year. What is your uh, opinion? I find that wild. I mean, interesting. And everyone is, you know, entitled to their opinion. It's, I don't know. I just don't think that a shoe that, or... A collaboration on the 990 V6 can be shoe of the year because... I just really don't like that shoe. <laughs> I, it's not that I don't like it. I'm just like so unconvinced by it. And I haven't seen one in person yet. And I have said in the past that it is growing on me a little bit because I was very quick to rush to judgment. And at times and in certain colorways, it still does look a little bit like a sketcher shape up to me just because it's got that like rounded sole. But then there's other like product shots or shots that I see on Instagram where I'm like, mm, okay, maybe they're not that bad. So it's just, it's a difficult silhouette for me. And then like you, you said, the colorway is beautiful. It's a very, very nice colorway. Probably not, not my favorite of the three, but it is nice. Um, I, I prefer the third colorway. So not the original one, but the other one. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, for me, it's a good, decent shoe, good collaboration. Love Action Bronson and his whole, not persona, but his whole character, right? And his his personality. But yeah, it would be a stretch, at least for me, to put it anywhere near the top five. But I respect you putting it there. I, I am a fan of the 990 V6. I, I completely turned around after actually wearing them on feet. I love the comfort on them. And I, I like the shape of them as well. So, And I think... Action has done a great job putting very unconventional colorways on it, and the results I think are great. And um, yeah, I, I really, really like these. But uh, let's move on to the most surprising news of the year, maybe, or one of the most surprising bits of news, and that is we have the return of the Nike Roshi Run, the shoe that it's okay. Maybe saying dominated is a bit bit of a stretch, but. It was one of the most popular shoes in around 2012, 2013, around that time. And um, it was somewhat of a meme also back then. And now Nike has decided to bring them back. It's supposed to be coming back in September of this year. Personally, when I read this news, I actually thought it was some kind of, you know, trolling uh, like account April that was 1st, posting it. April yeah, yeah, yeah. Fools I, th- or something. I thought it was a troll because 
because you know we recently heard this news about um, Nike doing some major changes to their front office, uh, switching up the C level, putting them in different jobs, just to shake up their uh, current roster of sneakers that they felt really needed. You know, a little jolt of energy and some new models are coming out and. Uh, after hearing all that, we hear, okay, they're going to bring back the Roshis, which I'm going to say it right now, I absolutely hate the Roshis. So the Roshis for me are like a top five ugliest shoe ever. Like you'll never, ever see me ever putting any colorway. Oh, even if it's like a hyped collab, I don't care. I'm not putting the Roshis on my feet. So I'm absolutely not hyped at all about these coming back. But uh, what do you, uh, what did you think of this but news? You just, you copped the shoe that was inspired by the Roshi. Which is what? The Yeezy Oh, the 350. Yeezy but that's just a way better <laughs> shoe, man. Come on. That's, you can't even, you can't even compare those. It's a way nicer shoe. <laughs> no, I, I agree. But I would say that the Foam Runner, not the Foam Runner, the Roshi Run did have the entire sneaker community in a chokehold um, back when it first dropped. I remember... I had more than a couple of colorways and there were some pretty decent ones. And I think the beauty of the Roshi was that it was, it was a very comfortable sneaker, but it didn't have crazy technology. It was just very soft EVA foam uh, for the midsole. And so maybe the quality wasn't the best, but it was incredibly comfortable. You could wear it with or without socks. I often went without socks. And I know that's a uh, sacrilegious among some sneaker heads. But they were just so comfortable, so simple. And I think that was the beauty of it, that it was an affordable shoe with a relatively, at least at the time, right? Now that so many colorways have come out and it was kind of run into the ground, it, this would not be the case anymore. But it was a relatively fashion-forward design in that it was so simple. It was, It was not even aggressive, but just like, it looked fast. It looked like a, like, you know, it was like pointed forward. It had a good toe shape. It was a knitted upper. And then later on you had different materials on the upper as well. I'm sure there was like a mid or a high as well at some point. And I don't know. I'm not saying that I'm going to buy a pair if they come back because they have become the symbol for like, holy shit, what the hell was I thinking back then? <laughs> it, it, it's really like, it's almost Dude. a symbol, not for like, you know, making fun of other people, but almost making fun of yourself because we've all had them. Um, so I wouldn't buy a pair, but I am intrigued to see how people respond to them if they come back. It is, in my opinion, a weird decision to retro it. It's almost like Adidas' decision to retro the NMD. Like the NMD was huge for a time too. And you could argue that the NMD was developed to kill the roshi a little bit it looks very very similar apart from that it has like a boost midsole with some like knobs on it right but it was weird that adidas retroed that so soon after and it feels weird that they're retroing nike is retroing the roshi run so soon after it feels like the 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 silhouette hasn't had time to like fully die and then come back to life if you know what i mean like maybe if they brought it back in 15 years and all the old heads were like oh i used to wear this and it used to be a meme but like the younger generation is wearing it like like maybe like lenny when he's 15 and he's running around wearing roshi runs and i'm like oh i used to wear those those weren't cool for a very long time 
that would make more sense than bringing it back so soon after where the same people that wore it are still very deep into the game you know what i mean yeah right that that, that was some of the reaction i saw online like people were just like i think this shoe had its time and it's just too soon to bring it back uh and yeah i know a lot of sh- other shoes were inspired by it personally i i i know that the 350 v1 was inspired by it i personally like the v2s better anyways they look better to me but the roshi though it's just if if i start seeing tiktok videos you know like how to style roshis and people rocking the pin roll jeans with the roshis if i see that i'm doing don't TikTok, hate on the man. pin roll i'm don't hate TikTok on the pin for roll. life if i see that <laughs> But yeah, man, a lot of uh, a lot of interesting news in the sneaker world. Uh, let's move on to our listener of the week this week. That is Julian, whose Instagram handle is Kicks of Jew. So shout out to you, Julian, for uh, always listening and and uh, giving us feedback on the pod. Appreciate you. Uh, and let let's move on now to what we have been wearing. So I can go first. I was in uh, Japan for a couple of weeks. And I only took two shoes with me because I actually expected to buy quite a few shoes there, but I'll, I'll get into that a little bit later. Um, what, have I, what, I, what I chose to take on the trip, so first of all, was a pair of New Balance 860 V2 in the black colorway. This was just a general release pair. And the reason I bought this pair, honestly, was I'm like, I haven't seen berlin in a shoe in so long and this shoe just kind of reminded me of berlin it was like super black like shiny black it had like little streaks of silver on it it looked like a vintage running shoe it was just something that i knew the streets of berlin would be full of this shoe and i was right because i came back two weeks later back to germany i looked on every website trying to find the shoe again and it's sold out everywhere, pretty much. The black colorway specifically is sold out everywhere, which I am not surprised at all. And uh, yeah, I took that on the trip. Uh, great pair, very comfortable. It's got the same midsole as the uh, 2002s and the 1906. So if you guys are used to that type of comfort, expect the same. I like the 860 silhouette in general a lot. So um, I was just waiting for a good colorway to release before copying and this was it for me i didn't really like the Emilion door collab so uh, yeah this was the first pair and the second pair i took on the trip was wow so this is actually for how long i've been doing sneakers this is actually the first pair of asics i have ever owned personally and that was the uh, asics gel uh, 1130 uh, collab with hall studios and uh this this oh man this this colorway is so nice the brown tones and the the green and the hit of orange it was inspired by japanese forests and shinto shrines which was another reason why it was the perfect shoe to take to japan i was walking around um in in nature in in some parts of japan wearing that shoe and i felt like it just kind of belonged there it was just it was just really really nice to look at and uh yeah i got some compliments on the shoe as well while i was there and uh yeah what i have to say wearing the shoe is wow i have been really sleeping on a6 comfort because the comfort level on the shoe was unreal like definitely i thought it was way com- way more comfortable than my 860 pair that i took with me uh just really nice and cushiony feeling on the feet and it turns out that this a6 1130 model the uh, regular retail price is i believe only 100 euros which for a 100 euro shoe comfort like this yeah i don't think there's any other 100 euro shoe that is this comfortable 
Uh, so I was very, very pleased with that. And I'm looking to definitely cop a lot more A6 this year. The 1130 is also coming out as a special, I don't know if it's a Kith collaboration, but Kith is releasing two colorways or oh. yeah, two colorways of the 1130 and the, I believe it's the Gel Cayano 14 mm-hmm. uh, pretty soon. They've been teased on Instagram already by Ronnie and some of his crew. So that might be one worth looking out for. I think it's more of a exclusive colorway that will be available exclusively through Kith stores and online channels rather than an actual collaboration. Um, it looks super nice. And I mean, in general, there's a lot of really, really nice 1130 colorways out there. So definitely a good shoe to check out, not just the collaborations, but the general releases. Um, in terms of what I've been wearing, it's actually also an ASICS. It's the Denim Tears collaboration on the ASICS Gel MC Plus and... I mean, you've already said it, but these are incredibly comfortable also. It's a shoe that I find flew under the radar a little bit, not just the the collaboration, but the silhouette in general. You don't really hear people talking about it. And what I really liked about this project was I'm a sucker for storytelling. And Denim Tears, so Tremaine Emery, he brought out two colorways of this silhouette that were inspired by the dusty clay roads of his i believe grandfather's house in south georgia and it was the clay that got stuck on his shoes on his clothes when he's outside playing that served as the basis for these colorways the one colorway is white with like a dusty orange effect and the other one is orange with a like a pre-aged kind of midsole i have the orange pair and very very beautiful shoes very comfortable and again it's something that not everybody has not everybody knows released uh, knows that it was released when it was so it's one of those shoes that you can kind of wear knowing it's not super hype but people are gonna be like huh well like what is that i've never seen that before and that's kind of what i've been going for recently so these have been on my feet a lot very nice very nice yeah i I think uh you and me are definitely going to be big uh, proponents of ASICs for the rest of the year because uh, actually moving on to our pickups for this week one of the shoes that I did pick up was another pair of ASICs that was the uh, Gel Cayano 14 in the cream and black colorway and it's a general release pair which after looking at these uh, Kith Gel uh, Cayano 14s it literally looks like the exact same shoe <laughs> yeah right so, asics does a lot of that where like the colorways are very similar yeah yeah so it's it's basically a non-kith version of the shoe and i was able to get it for retail which i was happy about and uh yeah i definitely really wanted this because it reminded me so much of that jound black colorway which i really liked which i wasn't able to get obviously and uh yeah this this pair is just so nice so comfortable uh, I'm definitely going to be doing a review of this pair at some point uh, on my channel next week. So watch out for that. Uh, so yeah, after not buying A6 at all for many years, I've already bought two now in the span of two months and uh, pretty happy with them. And the other um, the other pickup was uh, one of the Yeezys from uh, Yeezy Day uh, that released uh, for the first time. It was the Yeezy 350 V2 Carbon Beluga, which... Uh, when I dropped the video for this, uh, there were people saying that this colorway 
was closer to the original Beluga colorway than that reflective version, which dropped a couple of years ago. That version, it was a bit light in color compared to what the OGs look like. And a lot of people were saying they really like this newer colorway, which is more of like an olive colorway with uh, with that orange stripe. And I think Beluga, that whole color scheme just looks amazing on the 350 V2s. And I think this this model, it's a bit under the radar because it's not reselling for much, but I think it's definitely a pretty good, uh, uh, a pretty nice looking Yeezy 350. What about you? What have you picked up? So I actually picked up a pair of Reese Cooper Morel 1TRL Hydro Runners on sale at Beeston, and I was actually surprised to find them there because it's a shoe that I've had my eye on since they were teased at Fashion Week over a year ago, I believe almost two years ago at this point, maybe 18 months, and I kept wondering when they were going to release. I think they were supposed to be a spring-summer shoe last year. I don't know, but they got delayed. And then I was randomly browsing the Beast and Sale looking for, you know, like most of the time I'm browsing these sales and I'll open up like 20 tabs of things that I want and then buy none. But this time, like <laughs> that was one. Yeah, right. I feel like a lot of people do that. But this was one of the tabs that I opened this time. And because I had wanted them for so long and they were on sale, I was like, yeah, fuck it. It's a no brainer. So I got those super happy with them. And then I was also gifted a pair of the High Snobiety Saucony Pro Grid Triumph 4s. I was given the cream colorway, which was exclusive to High Snob's own store. Oh, those Super are nice so shoe. nice, man. Those the are so High good. The, 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 the cream ones, the, the cream High Snobiety yeah. Saucony joints. Yeah, I've been, I've been, um, did those sell out, by the way, man? Like, they, you guys should have. Not like, in all sizes. Have seen Not in all sizes. Yeah, those are, um, those they're are still so online nice. on High Snobiety if you want to check them out. But they're, yeah, they're actually pretty dope. I'm a big fan of the comfort of Saucony Pro Grid shoes. And they've got that 2000s runner vibe, which is trending hard right now. But we will talk about that later on in this episode. That's why I don't want to dive too deep into these. Just know they're super nice. They dropped in two colorways. And they're, yeah, both colorways are actually pretty decently available online if you missed out or forgot about them so definitely check those out very very nice man so pretty good pickups so sure. um so uh as you guys know um uh, in my last couple of weeks uh, i'm going to give you guys a little bit of a japan breakdown since a lot of you guys are asking and just so you know by the way I did, uh, on one of my last days there, I realized I didn't record any footage of the trip. So I, I even I asked like, you before, I was like, yo, are you going to like make videos? And you're like, ah, oh, maybe, no, maybe, no. maybe. So, so on like one of my last days there, I'm like, okay, I'm going to like, I didn't really have anything on our like agenda for that day. So I was like, okay, I'm going to just do like a full filming day today. So I just literally went into every sneaker shop that I, one of my, all my favorite sneaker shops while I was there and just recorded it. And I'm going to be dropping like a, a where to sneaker shop video in Tokyo, uh, like the best places to sneaker shop. Actually, one of the places I went to, which was uh, sneakers and stuff, the Tokyo location, which is a beautiful location, by the way. Uh, I got a, I, I just checked my inbox a couple of days ago and sneakers and stuff sent out a message that they're closing the Tokyo location. So what? Yeah. My, my video is going to be a bit outdated, <laughs> but, um, yeah. Uh, but anyways, like absolutely incredible, amazing country. Like Japan 
for me my favorite country in the world it was my second uh time actually visiting uh except the only time the, the only difference is this time I actually had some money <laughs> to spend so the first time i visited i was i i wasn't really shopping all that much because yeah i was kind of broke back then so uh, this time it was a way better trip. So yeah, I had a had an amazing time. I absolutely love that place. The people are just so kind and so respectful. Like Japanese people are just a whole different league of kindness. You know, like they're just some of the nicest people. And um, yeah, of course I did a ton of shopping there. I'll I'll just leave that for the video as far as like um, most of the stores I went to. Uh, but yeah, if it's a place for it, it's definitely a country where if you love vintage shopping, oh my god, like it is incredible. And that is because Japanese vintage shops have one of the highest standards of quality. So you won't find, you know, t-shirts in there with ar armpit stains <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know, everything you find in there is like, uh, it looks like it's barely worn. Uh, it looks like in perfect condition. And as you guys know, some of the biggest streetwear brands are all from Japan. So it's very, very common to go to a Japanese uh, vintage shop and you'll find just, you know, people uh, letting go of their old capital or uh, Izzy Miyake stuff, um, underground uh, neighborhood, um, undercover, I meant not underground, undercover neighborhood. Under you know. Underground is a decent name for a brand, though. True, true. Uh, needles, you know, beams, all this stuff like you'll just find it in the vintage in the vintage shops and i was just going absolutely crazy like stopping at every vintage shop anytime i found something that fit me i was so excited uh bought a bunch of stuff bought like I, just for just from vintage shopping i found some capital stuff uh plenty of needles and needles is like one of my favorite brands to wear so that was amazing of course beams uh, beams like buying beams and buying all these brands in Japan is so much cheaper than buying it in Europe. It's ridiculous. Like all the needle stuff, I actually went to like a needles retailer, and literally the same stuff that's currently on, for example, End Clothing or um, some European retailers that sell needles, it's like half the price over there in Japan. So I took advantage of that. I got myself, you know, some some shirts. Some I, I got a needles tracksuit as well. And um, yeah, man, like at the end, by, by the end of the trip, I actually had to buy a whole new suitcase to bring back with me because <laughs> I didn't have... Ramoa suitcase, right? Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course, man. Ramoa, sure. Um, no, yeah, uh, I, I have two questions, though. So yeah, sure. when you say vintage shopping, is it more like secondhand or is it mm -hmm. true vintage, like old shit? Because... And, and I don't know, maybe my definition for vintage is wrong, right? But when I think vintage, I'm thinking like stuff from the, the 90s, the early 2000s, the 80s. Um, oh, no, no. It's more like it's I guess. OK, in that case, it's not really vintage. It's more like secondhand. So it's like stuff from maybe two seasons ago, three seasons ago okay. uh, for these brands. And what are the prices like there? For, for that kind of stuff like is it more like secondhand because you're saying that the quality of these is great right so yeah either somebody took really great care of it or they only wore it a couple times so how far below retail are we talking about for these kinds of things or below resale i should say say because some of this stuff is probably on resale platforms as yeah, well right as right Deadstock. so so the answer to that is it totally depends where you go right so these are some pro tips in case you guys are planning on visiting Tokyo is by far the most expensive place uh, to uh, to do this type of shopping. But within Tokyo itself, 
depending on what district you are in, uh, the prices vary greatly. So I would say by far the best area to vintage shop in Tokyo is this place called Shimokitazawa, which is a little bit outside of central Tokyo, but trust me, it's definitely worth going there. It's like the same shops will have locations in Shimokitazawa that are just way cheaper than like Harajuku or, Shin or uh, Shibuya. Uh, so you're just saving a lot more money. I spent one day in Shimokuita's hour. I came out of there with like three bags full of stuff. I found like the best find was this uh, 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 kit and um, kit and BMW shirt, which was like one of my grail shirts. It had like the red uh, E30, which is like my favorite car maybe ever. And it had that on the front. So I was and it was like such a nice fade, too. So I was super happy to find that. Uh, but as far as prices go, so yeah i would say um if you're in the shimokitazawa area or if you're in osaka which is way cheaper than tokyo uh the prices are like probably half the retail price in most cases oh wow that's yeah. really good then for this kind of stuff you're finding and, and the kind of brands as well that you mentioned yeah definitely that's that's decent like the the capital shirt that I found in Osaka, I paid like a uh, like the retail price of that was close to like two fifty three hundred euros, and I paid around one twenty five for it, um, which nice. was pretty good. And and same with uh, like I also bought this Beams overshirt, which I paid around twenty something euros for, and the retail was over a hundred. So I I got some pretty good steals in there. And, um, and yeah, like you said, a lot of the stuff does have resale value. So they'll be selling it for over retail at these places as well, but it'll still be much less than the resale price on StockX, right? Right. So, that um, makes sense. What yeah, about so, sizing? Because you mentioned that whenever you found something in your size, you got really excited. So I assume that it was, I mean, you're a tall dude, so I assume it was difficult, right? But like, what about us, us normal people that tall, aren't tall you know, dude, two meters tall? tall? Tall dude is an understatement. I think... I think Japanese people thought Godzilla was back when they when they saw me. Like I I I, I was I think I was the biggest guy in Tokyo <laughs> walking around. Like I was I would be in Harajuku and I could see like a kilometer straight ahead of me. You know, there was like nobody at my at my height level. Like I was by far the biggest guy there. And for that reason, it is a bit of a challenge to do shopping there if you're a, a bit tall. Um, and especially, and this is the reason why I actually didn't find a single pair of sneakers while I was there. There's no big sizes anywhere. And, and I'm not even talking about like at the, at the vintage shops, which is because that's kind of expected. Japanese people aren't that big. So, uh, you won't find big sizes at vintage shops at all. You'd be very lucky to, uh, but, um, even like going to, I like, I went to Atmos for example, right. And, um, and, uh, they just didn't have my size. I asked them for a couple of shoes and they were just like, no, big sizes, like, oh, good luck, you know? <laughs> they were just, you know, like nothing above size 10 pretty much exists there anywhere. So uh, that it's it's tough. If, if you have big feet, not a place to go shopping. Otherwise, if you're like below six feet, I think, yeah, yeah you, you'll be able to find whatever you need. Nice. What about, let's talk a little bit about the food because that's something we talked about before the you went food man oh my god okay so okay favorite restaurant by far there's this place called katsudon zuicho and it's just this complete hole in the wall place that has three nice japanese women working there behind the counter it has like six seats total and all they have is one thing on the menu which is katsu pork katsu with uh with omelet and with rice 
And that's it. They only have one thing on the menu. You walk in, they only ask you one question. What size do you want? Small, medium, large. That's it. <laughs> and and uh, and based on that, they give you your, your portion. And it is so good. Like, oh, my God. And, of course, like, that was just the, my favorite thing I ate there. But, of course, like, the ramen. Like, we went into just so many ramen joints. And it's just, like, the most delicious, you know, umami-in-your-mouth flavor. Oh, my God. Like, the food... I ate like an absolute king, man. And and uh, coming back to Germany was hard, <laughs> especially when it comes to the food. I, I miss it. Damn. What about 7-Eleven? you find anything crazy in there that you ate or, or cop? Yeah, uh, I would say, okay, 7-Eleven. So they, they, these things are called convenies in Japan. So there's 7-Eleven, there's Family Mart, there's Lawson. And uh, I was eating breakfast there every morning. The Lawson egg sandwich, I fucking swear by it. The egg salad sandwich <laughs> is incredible. Um, so I would that was my breakfast every day with as long and also a can of Black's coffee, which uh, everyone's got to try. Uh, but the coolest thing, uh, actually, the one thing that I found super useful there, there's like this little can. It looks it, there's like a picture of like a ginger and turmeric on it, and if you translate it to English, it says like turmeric turtle. That's that's what the Google Translate showed me. But it's a super tiny can that you're supposed to drink uh, right before you drink alcohol, right? And uh, there were a lot of nights on the trip where me and my girl just, you know, we went on absolute benders, as as you like to call it. Like we were just, you know, because you were dog free, right? You left your dog in Berlin. Yeah, yeah. So you're left like, my, all left right, my dog time, back in, time to back get wasted. Berlin. Oh yeah, we got. There were so many nights where we were like absolutely wasted, but. All of these nights, we woke up the next day not feeling a thing, like zero hangover, zero. And that's all because of this one drink that they sell at 7-Eleven called Turmeric Turtle. And I brought back like four of them with me to Berlin, of course. Um, <laughs> yeah, so whatever they, I don't even know what they put in there, but it it uh, it definitely prevents hangovers. So I recommend that to everyone. <laughs> Interesting. What else, yeah. like, is there anything else you want to add about Japan? Um, I would just say, you know, everyone should just check it out because, um, it's, it's just so different than any place you'll visit. Like everything from the way, you know, society just kind of functions there. Like everything's so orderly. The people are just abnormally nice. And also, you know, I, like I, I kind of just get motivated being there because uh, I get motivated to, you know, dress better because like people are just dressed so cool over there, you know, like even, and and like we're talking about sneakers of course like everyone had heat man like if you walk around tokyo everyone is rocking some heat the amount of like tiffany air force ones i saw were insane you know like travis scott uh jordan ones i saw people wearing the dior ones you know it, it's kind of like crazy and even like people who don't seem to be like that into sneakers like people just on the on the trains I would see some crazy Asics colorways and New Balance colorways on the train. Actually, I didn't expect to see how popular New Balance was in Tokyo and, and in Japan in general. New Balance is super popular there, especially the 990s. Um, yeah, so, I mean, definitely if you're into sneakers and, and streetwear at all, it is like pretty much a paradise. So I would uh, nice. definitely suggest you guys check it out. Cannot wait to nice, go back. Nice, I want to nice. go back next year. Yeah, I went in 2019, I think it was, and I am itching to go back for sure. And hearing you talk about it has made that itch a little bit more, more itchy. But let's talk about 
the trends that we have brought to the table. So I will kick us off and I am going to be talking about 2000s runners. Yes. What are are 2000s runners? They are, I mean, first of all, they are back. And there's a couple ways, in my opinion, to define what a 2000s runner is. I mean, the very obvious definition is that any running shoe or you know performance workout shoe that was released in the 2000s so that's from 2000 until 2010 is a 2000s runner but there are also shoes that have been released recently that have the 2000s runner vibe but are new sneakers or new interpretations of old sneakers and so they would technically not be considered 2000s runners but they have that vibe. And what I'm talking about there is what makes a 2000s runner a thing is, in my opinion, the first thing that you need to look out for is big hole mesh, right? So any of these shoes that have got not the tiny, very, very fine mesh that we've seen on a lot of shoes over the last five to 10 years. I'm not talking about ultra boost mesh. I'm not talking about 990 uh, V3, V4, V5 mesh. I'm talking about big hole sporty looking performance looking mesh so that's a big giveaway then of course there's a lot of like overlays on the upper they're very busy they use a lot of synthetics mixed with leather as well or synthetic leather because back in the 2000s kind of what defined that era was it was an era of innovation a lot of brands were kind of stagnating with their um, performance innovation and they were really pushing, you know, new millennium. They really wanted to show what they had. And so they were going with, you know, crazy designs. Nike Shocks was uh, was released in that time. And I mean, 2015 doesn't really count, 2014, but you know, it was the era just before Boost. It was when brands were really looking to separate themselves from the pack also visually. And so these 2000 runners, they look, very aggressive they look very sporty very quick um they look kind of retro futuristic in a way they've got a lot of metallic overlays that's also the colorways that come into play there's a lot of like sporty hits of red and blue like deeper blues so it's very like sports focused very performance focused um some shoes that are examples of 2000s runners are the nike presto which was released in 2000 that is the ultimate kind of symbol for innovation because the Presto was part of Nike's HTM um, project and HTM stands for Hiroshi, Tinker, and Mark, which are Hiroshi Fujiwara, Tinker Hatfield, and Mark Parker. And those three basically combined to really look at what they could do in pushing the boundaries of innovation and and stuff like that. And so a lot of shoes were released under that HTM moniker that became very, very limited and very sought after. And the Presto was one of those. Um, Then the Kobe Crazy One, technically not a runner, but a basketball shoe. And if you look at that, you can definitely see the 2000s influence there. It looks like a spaceship. It's got this like bulbous kind of foam outer layer that almost hides the shoe. You've got the Jalcayano 14, which we've talked about in the past and also on this episode that has the big hole mesh base and then the metallic synthetic overlays. The New Balance 2002R was technically released at the end of the 2000s um, and back then it was kind of 
supposed to be a premium runner for CEOs. So it was supposed to be a super expensive high-end running shoe. The Saucony ProGrid Triumph 4 is another good example. So is the Omni 9 from Saucony. These are all shoes that have like very performance-related tooling, midsoles. They look very, like I said, very fast. The Adidas Supernova or the, the Cushion, uh, Cushion Supernova or the Response CL are also shoes. And then probably the biggest one right now is the Nike Zoom Vomero 5, which was released in... 2010 so again also on the tail end but if you look at that shoe you can see what i'm talking about it's got the overlays it's got the big hole mesh it's got the sporty vibes and now the, these shoes are coming back as lifestyle shoes so why are these shoes so popular right now well fashion and all trends are cyclical right and Maybe five years ago, 90 sneakers were what was kind of influencing and inspiring designers and 90 sneakers were being brought back. Now it's time for the 2000s. It always kind of, probably next next decade, we're going to get sneakers from the 2010s coming back. So the Roshis, the uh, NMDs, although those, again, have already been retro. But you know what I mean? So everything kind of runs in cycles. And now is about the time where 2000s runners it's their turn to come back. It's their turn to be pushed, to be brought into the spotlight, to have marketing campaign money thrown at them. And obviously anyone who follows fashion will know that Y2K style is super in right now. If you see any kids under the age of 18 walking around your city, chances are they're wearing low-rise jeans, hugging the hips. They've got like crop tops on. They're wearing like super crazy metallic items and you're probably thinking if you're our age oh yo damn that's like what we used to wear back in the day right <laughs> for real man it's it's so it's been weird man like it, it's been weird how old i've been feeling lately just looking at like what these teenagers have been wearing because that's literally what i wore in high school man like the the more like baggier pants i, I look at the girls and i see them wearing like the juicy couture track suits like that's what every girl used to wear back in the day. Exactly. <laughs> oh, it's almost like we, a we sound like a bunch of old heads, old heads yeah. now. I mean, bro, we are. We're, we're the wrong side of 30 technically. And I mean, <laughs> old doesn't necessarily mean bad. But like in relation to these kids that are that I live near a lot of schools. And so I'll see kids in the mornings on their way to school or in the afternoon on their way home. And I'm like, damn, like those jeans or that brand, like Evisu is back in, right? Uh, JNCO, I don't know how to pronounce it. Jinko is back in. Like these brands that used to be cool and then were memed to death are now cool again. And that's like the the whole the the whole curve that fashion runs on. It's all cyclical. And so because Y2K is so in right now, 2000s runners are an obvious complement to that. So brands are going to be pushing that because sneakers is where they make big money and when people are wearing Y2K styles, they want shoes that look good with those styles. Maybe Jordans are a bad reference, but like they're not going to wear 70s inspired runners with the, these 2000s outfits, right? They're going to need that like technology, that um, that aesthetic that fits from head to toe. And so that's why 2000s runners are having a moment right now. In In terms of where we are on the trend curve of 2000s runners hype, that's a difficult one to predict. I would say that we're just at the start. It's something that has been bubbling for a while and 
Certain brands have been releasing 2000s-inspired silhouettes for quite some time now. Adidas is actually one of them. They have been releasing shoes from that era or shoes that have been designed to look like they're from that era for the better part of a year and a half, maybe even two years now. But it's only now that people are catching on. It's only now that these shoes are really gaining the hype and becoming sought after and are getting the limelight on social media. And so I think that this trend definitely has some ways to run. I would be surprised if 2000s runners weren't bigger than they are now this time next year. I think that there's still a lot of potential there. There's a lot of unexplored silhouettes, a lot of unexplored brands, even brands that were hot in the 2000s are now making a comeback. So it's definitely an exciting time if you're into that aesthetic, into these kinds of sneakers. And if you had a favorite sneaker from back in the 2000s, who knows, maybe it'll be retroed and brought back again uh, in the coming months or years. I'm I'm going to ask you your opinion in a second, but I would say that I'm a big fan of this trend from the footwear side because I love these shoes, right? I love the Vermero. I love the Giacayano 14. I love the um, Adidas Supernova and the Cushion CL. Those are all great shoes. I would say that I'm probably not a huge fan of the Y2K vibes and like that whole like the hairstyles, the makeup, the the actual textile fashion, but the shoes I really fuck with. But what about you? I'm a huge fan of this trend coming back when it comes to the sneakers, like you said, mainly because it's so cool that the trending sneakers right now are also super comfortable, man. Like, you know, like back in uh, back when um, the Jordan 1s were the hype, most hype sneaker around. Yeah, you know what? Jordan 1s aren't that comfortable. So it's it, it was cool to wear them. But yeah, I, I, I my feet were definitely killing me at the end of the day. But with these shoes, you know, Jelcano 14, the Romero 5s, man, like the Prestos. Of course, I'm super happy that they're they're back in the in the trend cycle because now I can look cool, look trendy, and be comfortable as hell, man. So definitely I'm I'm pretty happy about it. And also nice. I am a fan of the the Y2K fashion coming back, man, because um yeah, I mean, I don't know, it 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 it's kind of having the opposite effect on me where like I'm starting to feel young again <laughs> because I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, man, yeah, I used to, I remember I, I used to rock those. Maybe I should pull those back out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have anything from that era that either fits me or is still wearable, but I'd love to see you in some of these Y2K fits that I've been seeing. I, I did actually go to the, oh man, I went, I went to the Evisu factory store in tokyo and it was so crazy to see the guy uh who worked there he was just you know just he had a pair of jeans in front of him and he was just painting those seagull logos by hand on the jeans and you could buy whatever jean you want from the shop and get it painted in whatever color and whatever customization you wanted they do it for you on the spot by hand which i thought was just so cool yeah um unfortunately once again i tried on I was in that store for an hour. I tried on maybe six pairs of jeans. None of them fit me, of course. Damn, <laughs> that's, that's the problem shame. with being tall in Japan. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, for my uh, trend cycle, um, I, part of it kind of goes in hand with yours. But um, my trend cycle is I've been noticing that are we coming towards the end of the New Balance hype cycle? So we know that you know trend cycles come and go. Over the last three years, I think it goes without saying, New Balance has been 
dominating the charts, dominating uh, sneakerheads' uh, closets, and dominating StockX resale prices. But um, it seems like the brand is, or maybe they're not really struggling financially, but it seems like definitely they're losing a bit of that hype. And there's many signs that have me thinking that. So for one thing, um, I think consumers feel that maybe a lot of the shoes are just priced a bit too high right now. We already know it's a very tough economy out there. There's a shitload of job losses happening, especially in the States. And every single nice New Balance sneaker is north of $200, most of them. The 990 series, that Made in USA entire collection, everything's over $200, which is just a lot of money to be spending on a shoe. And even here in Europe, what they've been doing is they've been gradually increasing the prices of a lot of their models. For example, the 550, it used to be 130 euros when they first came out, uh, actually 120. Now they go for 170, which is crazy in my opinion. Like that's just way too much. That's way too much for the 550s. Those are not 170 euro shoe in my opinion. And uh, yeah, a lot of these other shoes too, like the they raised the price on the 2002s, the 1906, and it's not like these shoes have new tech. We're talking about tech from the early uh, 2000s, and uh, they're going for almost $200. And I think consumers are just a bit fatigued by the high prices, and it's 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 getting to the point where like you really got to pick and choose which pair of New Balances you want. You can't have them all because they're just very expensive. And uh, also something else that I've noticed is that um, the ideas are starting to just feel a bit more, a bit repetitive, you know. Personally, I don't like what they did with the whole protection pack um, idea. You know, it was, it looked great on the 2002 R's and um, that shoe had its moment. It was even called Sneaker of the Year by myself and uh, it deserved it. I don't like that they've taken that concept and put it on so many other shoes. They've put it on the 1906, um, and they've also put it on some other models. And it's just that concept is just starting to feel a bit tired now. It's it's even gotten to the point where these protection pack sneakers don't even sell out. The 1906s, they haven't sold out in most of the colorways, the protection pack. And even some of the newer 2002s that have come out in that protection pack style have not been selling out. So... Uh, I think that speaks volumes for a shoe that was just so hyped three years ago to not even selling out now going on sale in some places that that's also a sign for me that, yeah, the hype cycle is kind of ending. Um, and also some of their newer models that they've tried to push this year. It's clear that New Balance is trying to put a focus on the 610 this year, that hiking style shoe. Uh, there've been some pretty hyped collabs with Bodega with uh, Joe Fresh Goods. And both those collabs, they didn't sell out. I mean, the Joe Fresh Goods pair, it went, I saw it go on sale pretty much everywhere, like 50% off in some places. And uh, yeah, now there's this upcoming colorway with Anime, which uh, the the rapper, and um, I, I'm probably butchering the pronunciation of his name, but that, 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 that pair, I don't know if that's, that that seems like it's a, it's a hit or miss type of shoe. So even the new models don't seem to be really uh, you know, striking a chord with customers. And also the last point that I've noticed is that in the past, they've had these collaborators who have been, I, I like to call them heavy hitters, you know, they're consistent with how good the collabs have been. For example, uh, ALD was one of them. Um, and ALD collabs for me recently, 
they've had a lot of misses like the 860s you can already look at you know the resale prices of those pairs the the blue pair and the red pair are pretty much going for retail right now then the 1906 for me uh the ald collab was it, it looked just like a regular pair of 1906s you know there was nothing special with that pair and um that one too you know it, it didn't really resell for much and then even some other heavy hitters that they've had in the past like uh salehi bembry now for in his case um he put out that v2 990 v2 which i thought was incredible like really really nice looking shoe but that pair didn't even sell out in europe like it was literally sitting so some of these heavy hitting collabors collaborators from the past are um their newer stuff isn't really you know hitting with consumers like they used to and i think it's just because overall um it's quite possible that we're getting a bit fatigued with new balance and maybe they're just peaking a bit in um or maybe they have already peaked and they're kind of on the decline phase right now what do you think yeah, I think that's a good point and nice that you brought it up as well. I think it's okay that they're peaking or that they're past their peak because like you said, that's the normal trend and hype cycle. It's been a while. They've been hot for a very long time. Nobody can sustain that forever. And, you know, there's always competition. Asics is on the come up. Uh, trends move and shift. We're talking about 2000s runners. We're talking about, you know, Adidas Samba and Gazelle being in, people being more into maybe generally sneakers and sneakers that are a little bit more affordable. New Balance, like you said, is usually on the higher end of the price spectrum, which you know is fair because the quality is usually better than other brands. But yeah, I, I would agree with everything you said and that uh, we are probably coming close to the end of New Balance's dominance. Um, which is exciting because it opens up the field to other players to kind of take that crown. Like I said, Asics was big last year. A lot of people crowned them as their brand of the year. So I'm excited to see what comes. Um, but that's the nature of the game. This is what happens all the time, you know? Uh, yeah, totally. Hot, no, I, I don't, that's totally fine. I, I don't think it's a bad thing either. I think it's good. I mean, now it's a lot easier to get New Balance sneakers. I know a lot of these uh, New Balance collectors who uh, were collecting New Balances way before they got popular, they were complaining about the last three years. You know, it was really tough for them to get shoes. So uh, good for them now. You know, they'll be able to get stuff a lot easier and just good for sneakerheads in general. It's always nice to be able to get a shoe you want pretty easily and even better if you're able to get it on sale. So I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily. But yeah, guys, those are two of the big trends we've noticed you had the 2000 runners i had new balance potentially peaking um yeah i mean as usual we're going to close off the episode with the upcoming drops for the next two weeks and i'll quickly run through them the the day we're filming this episode is actually june the 9th so earlier this morning the wales bonner sambas dropped round two or round three I, I don't remember but there was this new buck pair which was uh, yellow and brown and uh, the one that had everyone's attention including mine was that silver pair all over metallic silver what did you think of that samba by the way yeah it looks super nice but it's also I found it too much and also like it's gonna crease like a like a mother yeah that's i, I am I'm concerned about the creasing. I'm not going to lie. I did manage to win a raffle for them in my size. And I think I'm going to keep them because I don't have any shoes that look like that. And I always like to get, you know, different kind of stuff from my own uh, closet. Uh, but yeah, that pair released earlier today. 
uh, also another pair that I released earlier today was the Stussy Nike Vandal High. There were three different colorways. Once again, done in that canvas type of material. Uh, I don't think those sell, sold out though, so you should be able to still get them from the Stussy website. Uh, tomorrow, June the 10th, we have <laughs> this pair. So this is the Jordan 1 Washed Heritage. This is a perfect example of a pair that if it released three years ago during the peak of the Jordan 1 hype cycle, you'd be seeing huge resale prices for a super clean colorway like this. I think it's a great, great colorway. Um, definitely one of those, you can wear them all the time, every day type of colorways. Great pair, Jordan 1 Washed Heritage. I'll try to cop one for myself. On the 14th, we have the uh, Nike Dunk Low collab with Clot and Fragment. This pair originally released just on the Clot website, but now it's a more of a worldwide release on sneakers. A really, really nice pair. This is another pair that I saw a lot of people rocking in Japan. Uh, Clot and Fragment, of course, pretty big brands over there. On the 16th, we have uh, the Air Max 86. Yeah, that big bubble Air Max dropping in the blue Safari colorway. Uh, I think this pair looks actually really nice. It's on the sneakers app. And then finally, yeah, I want to ask your opinion about this before we close off. On June 21st, we have the Jacques Mousse J-Force 1. And uh, if you guys have seen the shoe, it is a combination of an Air Force 1 and the, uh, what's that shoe called? The uh, Footscape. The Footscape, right. The foot. It's got a Footscape bottom. What, what did you think of this pair? Yeah... I nah nah just nah. <laughs> it, the Air Force One's so good. Like why why mess with it in that way? You know, so I'm all for creativity, and it is a creative shoe, but nah. Uh, I, I'm for creativity as well, but I don't think they thought too much about functionality here with this shoe because having the knit on the sole like that, like dude, just think about how dirty this shoe is gonna get. Like the mud stones little things like that going into those um little grooves right of the shoe i just think it's such an impractical shoe although i do think it looks interesting uh don't get me wrong but i find it just so impractical to actually wear but yeah um that's also the last shoe to talk about the jock moose uh, j force one on june the 21st but besides that, guys, thank you so much for tuning in once again to another episode of the Kickback Pod. As always, Fobs loves doing these with you. Looking forward to our next episode in two weeks. Hope you guys are enjoying your summer, by the way. And do not forget, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friend. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Music and uh, Spotify. Of course, that really, really helps us out. But most of all, share it with someone. Share it with someone that is interested in sneakers. That would mean the world to us. But other than that, guys, thank you so much for listening. JD signing out. Peace. Fabian signing out. Peace.